Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester. From Irish Illustrated, we're joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic and Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated is back from the late night talk show tour. I think he was, I think we saw him on Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon last night. <laughs> Are you on The View? This, oh, okay, those aren't sports related. No, it's not, but there's, there's a human interest story there, so I, I might go on it still. I'm not sure. <laughs> Tim O'Malley getting a lot of a lot of uh, airtime this week with his, uh, with his exchange with Marcus Freeman on Monday, which was give Freeman a lot of credit. That was, that was classic, man. He was, he had notes. He yeah, was the notes prepared. were incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the notes were amazing. I mean, I had a feeling something was coming. Cause he was, as I said, we were out there for five and a half hours, you know, not like we we're interacting the whole time, but he was out there for five and a half hours. We walked in and walked out together. Uh, and he walked in and I got a look. I was like, oh, he's saying something here. There's going to, and I knew it wasn't going to be like flattering. So I just didn't know <laughs> he was going to have a lot of notes on the topic. What what would he have done if you hadn't uh, asked a question that day? I think that that actually I think I talked to him. Pete about this. Either Pete or someone else told me you should not have asked a question, and and he was still going to ask it. And it would have been hilarious if he had to like interrupt and ask the question. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I should. Uh, not everybody. I, I I don't know where you've been the last few days, but I'm sure not everybody listening to this knows exactly what we're talking about. But Tim O'Malley is the two two championships in one day. That's that's not easy to do, but two flag football championships with a total of how many children from the Notre Dame coaching staff? Five? Uh, yeah, well, there's five on one, and I, then another one, Freeman's other uh, other uh, older son on the 4-5 Gino. And that's, so. and that's Guaduli, Washington, Parker, Freeman. And Rudolph. And Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah. Who had a uh, double pick six game uh, a couple weeks ago? I should point out. I was, hmm. I, is anybody complaining with the commissioner of the league that O'Malley got all these uh, <laughs> yeah. kids playing? Well, actually, the entire team goes to St. Pius, so it's all on the up and up. It's uh, not NIL related yet. It's going to have to be NIL related now going forward. But I could I can remember uh, my pre high school coaching days when when little league parents were accusing us accusing us of loading up on the team i didn't have any i didn't i wasn't able to manufacture who we had on the no friends play with friends request friends yeah exactly stuff like that is how it always exactly. comes out exactly well congratulations on all the uh publicity for you and for irish illustrated as well but we will we will move on to the the pittsburgh preview we had we spoke with marcus freeman man for about 10 minutes it was short today nothing groundbreaking no no injury questions so uh, I think we're all counting on the two Jadens, Greathouse and Thomas, to be ready to roll. Dan, Dan Colsey not because we were getting ready for interviews on Tuesday, and I looked out the window. You were there, Tim, right? You saw yeah. me. Uh, mm-hmm. There was Dion Colsey walking out of practice, and Marcus Freeman had said on Monday that he was behind schedule, and it goes without saying that he's way behind schedule because he wasn't he wasn't moving too too well. So uh, I, I mean, I, there's certainly nothing in line until after the second bye week and and even that would be unexpected but Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's not very good man they're not a very good team but you know when I write out the preview I, I you go through all the players that have played for Pittsburgh man they've had some I great saw that players. on your Thursday thoughts yeah you gotta look this up on his Thursday yeah thoughts. I saw it 
insane. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they, they had an era had of just so like, many great players come through there, and they, Dorsett, they, Marino, like all that stuff is crazy. I mean, they they went last year. No, I'm sorry, 2021 was the first year in 11 that Pittsburgh had had less than five losses. And I get, you know, most of that list that I put out there was, you know, former greats around the time when they were competing for and winning a national title. But um, there's been a ton of talent that's come through there. And, you know, they're dangerous because they do have guys like, uh, you know, a couple wide receivers, Bub Means, who's pretty good. Um, uh, Dejan Reynolds, who tra- who's a transfer for them. They've, they've got quite a few transfers. I really like their corners. Uh, MJ... Devonshire and AJ Woods or two in particular. I know we mentioned these guys right had a schedule on Monday, but they've got some players, but they they're not a very good football team. I see that Narduzzi was complaining about penalties. You can just stop right them. there. You, you saw I was complaining and then it's probably accurate. Right. I mean, they've they have they have been in the ranked in the hundreds for five straight years now in penalties, man. And and, and frankly, I know some officials in the ACC. And although he's a whiner, they like him personally. So nobody has an agenda against Pat Narduzzi. Your team's just undisciplined, man. Yeah, I need to make sure no one ever says we like him, but he's a whiner. That's not that's not the yeah. way to be. That's not the way to be portrayed in life. It's hard to do that. It is actually. Well, he's be yeah. otherwise. He didn't talk yeah, about mean, the false. No, I was going to say like people, like media members who know him like him. I mean, he's yeah. he's pretty accessible. Um, I think he would be high on my list of coaches to have a beer with. Um, that would probably be a good time. I think that he would be pretty funny. But yeah, he's got uh, he's got something stuck up somewhere um, about Notre Dame, and yes. it's like the how do you know you're complaining? Your lips are moving. Like that would be that's how probably you would well, describe and, Pat Narduzzi. And, and he frequently does complain, but the timing of this one. Just watch the calls on Saturday. What they'll be even. I, 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 they'll be even at the worst because if you complain to the AC, the head of officials of the ACC often enough, it, it will, it will, it will make an impact. Although you can't pre-snap penalties, of which they've had a ton, especially in the last few games. Uh, you know, you can't blame those on officials. You know, Tim, I think you made up an interesting point where you said their fit's not that good, and they're not. But when you say Devin, Sharon, Woods, they have two good corners. Notre Dame has receivers that have trouble getting open or successfully oh, consistently they... getting open and catching passes. And Pitt does have a top 30 pass defense. I know that's not incredible, but it's solid. A top 15 or 16 in terms of how many sacks they have. Not incredible, for definitely not for Pitt, but still good. Those two things combined against Notre Dame's weakness, that's what makes a game closer than it should be. Because you find there's something in there that can make a game closer than it should be, and that's it. I mean, if you have good, I was going to say, like, if you have good corners, shouldn't your passive, you know what their passive efficiency defense rating is? You know, it's nowhere near what the real, what the yardage allowed is. Yeah. It's ni- It's 98. Yeah, it's a strange. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, Notre Dame is fourth. Um, it was. It was strange to me. Because I, when I think of Pittsburgh defense, I think like they're really hard to play against, and they don't give up chunk plays, and that's like not really the case. Like they're very middle of the road in twenty yard gains allowed, uh, rushing, passing. They're, I have a hard time figuring out what they do incredibly well. I think you guys talked about it on Monday. I mean, they used to be really one of the sneaky best pass rushers in the country in terms of sacks, and like that's not 
He had 199 sacks in four years. Did you That's hear that? Stat? A ridiculous number. They're actually still in the top 15. Uh, but they're not doing it with their defensive ends, Pete. And, and that's what they've been able to do in recent years. Uh, they're 91st in 50-yard. Oh, man, I'm not sure if that's <laughs> – I can't read my own notes. I'm not sure if that's pass plays of 50 yards or or just plays in general. Hopefully for Notre Dame, it's plays in general. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, no, they, they haven't – yeah, they're still 12th in the country in sacks per game. You know, but they have to do it. They do it more with their second and third, third level defenders. Uh, they're still fifth, twentieth uh, in tackles for loss. Yeah, uh, these but, are things that can bother Notre Dame if you're not improved on offense from where you should be. Yeah. Like what we think Notre Dame should improve upon. These are little things that would add up. I think. Yeah, just like Pittsburgh, when I would think of them more in terms of like the way they are. You look at their stats, and they would be like fourth in yards for carry allowed, and they're not um it's just like it's it's a fine pittsburgh defense but i i don't think it's it it's sort of where i get back to this game this game is going to have a lot more to do like can notre dame figure itself offensively more than can do they have to solve something pittsburgh is doing it has a lot more to do with like notre dame getting right and wake forest ran on them uh, I, I, they only averaged 4.2 per carry but they had 172 yards and they had 41 rushing attempts. So, and, and that's now, a win for Notre Dame if they run for. Yeah, for to be Notre fair, Dame, yeah. to be fair, Wake Forest had a first-time starter quarterback, so they didn't really want to throw it. But they ran against Pittsburgh when they when they wanted to. I don't know that the rest of the numbers through the first six games reflect that, but I think Notre Dame can can have success running the football on them. I thought that was the most interesting take from Coach Parker's interview was how they want. They're kept using the word prideful, and I think stubborn can be another one where you're you're wanting to be a north-south running team, but maybe after some self-evaluation, you have to find ways to get the ball outside the tackles because, as he mentioned, the way they're approaching it, third-level tacklers are coming up and meeting them in the hole, and that's that's just not viable. I mean, it maybe it is if you were to put McGlinchey, Nelson, Stanley. Nick Martin and Zach Martin up there, but that's, that's not the situation. It's his, his biggest concern has to be finding ways to get out of this complete 100% rock fight inside, because I don't, I don't think you want to get in a rock fight with Pittsburgh and Clemson, as opposed to just going out there and being able to beat them with, with your talented yeah. quarterback. Uh, Pete, you talked about the rush per carry against them. It's still 3.1. And, and yeah, it's not, terrible yeah, yeah. but like the, the 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 two safeties are the leading tacklers they blitz a lot from the second level and so i mean i think that's the whole point they are going to dare Notre Dame to throw the football downfield uh, and they're running a lot of obviously running a lot of man coverage from their corners so there will be opportunities downfield we'll see if Notre Dame's you know whiteouts can handle that now on the flip side uh Pittsburgh's Averaging three point four yards per carry, and their yeah. their best running back, well, Flemister, Sebo, Flemister, and Riding Hammond are both averaging four point one per carry, which is which is pretty good though when you when you consider that as a whole they're at three point four, which factors in sacks and stuff like that. So yeah. they're not they're not good. I, I think Flemister is a pretty decent running back. I, I know we were kidding kidding on Monday. Yeah, don't beat her this or not. We like we couch everything by you know what? Sebo's a pretty good running back. (laughs) Really kind of very nice. He really is. He's gained a little bit of shiftiness and he's still listed at 
he's still listed at, I think it's 205. He's still listed at 205, but he plays like a guy that's 230, 225. So you're compared Sebo to like uh Jordan. No, like it was like Costanza was looking for a date and he asked Jerry how's her hair? Does she have nice hair? And he said it was really very nice and good. He's just really very he's really very nice and good. There's nothing else going on there. It's yeah. just really very nice and good. Well, you he's know, like, old... you're not saying he's good. You're saying he's good. He's and and you say you have to say it with surprise in your voice yeah. a little bit too. You gotta, re- no offense, you gotta but tone good. up on the end. He's good. <laughs> It's not like every good. Harry Heastan, it's like every yeah. Harry like when, Heastan yeah, I was going to say, when Harry Heastan in, ends a sentence, his voice goes up. Uh, interesting, the, the over-under was 45 and a half. It's now 44 and a half. I bet it is. <laughs> like when you, like when you, Notre Dame's a 20 and a half point favor, but the over-under is only 44 and a half. So they're telling you Pittsburgh's not going to score in this game. This is why, not the only reason, but I cannot stick with any of that upset feeling I because Notre Dame's defense is so much better than Pittsburgh's offense it would have to be a kick return touchdown by the way which happened in uh, Mm -hmm. 2018 to keep the game close it would have to be a sack fumble which can happen also in in sports when an offensive line isn't totally engaged one touchdown drive and then great defense like that is how Pittsburgh has to get to 20 points yeah no there's no doubt about it and or a Devonshire pick six because he's had three in the last year and a half that, had one against Louisville all but. those type of things are what you see sometimes when Notre Dame has a bad game against a team like Pittsburgh yeah. it's just that you just don't see that you don't see that offense coming from Pittsburgh that's why I remember I said Pat Narduzzi should punt and try to keep his team in the game Notre Dame should consider punting once in a while and keep the team in the game too because they're not driving 75 yards oh uh, they, they are going to have a tough time uh Christian Christian Vayer Bayer. Very difficult to say and look at. Just don't uh, look I, at it I, I mean, I, it's easy. I've known it. I just, I spaced it there uh, because I did a show yesterday and he was called Voyeur. And so I had to correct myself. No, it's Christian Vayer, despite the, despite the spelling. And he's given him, he's given him a spark. There's no doubt. And we talked about this on Monday. If a guy's open, he'll find him. Jerkovic wasn't doing that. Um, But that kid's in trouble against Notre Dame. <laughs> He, he he's in trouble against Notre Dame because they're still doing a lot of very conservative stuff, a whole ton of check with me pre-snap. Um, and Al Golden's defense is going to give him hell for, for most of 60 minutes. Well, we know Al Golden's not focused on USC anymore, so it's probably going to be all over. That we do know. And nobody knows that better than I do. Uh, that's very true. Um, I Before we finish segment one, I did want to talk about it. I think everybody wants us to comment on the, Michigan Harbaugh uh, sign stealing stuff. And what I was saying before we went on the air that you can't just say sign stealing because there are two types of sign stealing. There's on the field sign stealing, which everybody agrees, or at least I I mean, I I do that in football, baseball, whatever, that's completely legal. It's, it's going to opposing stadiums and recording it and studying it. And I mean, that's just, that it's comparable to the Houston, what the Houston Astros did a couple of years yep. ago, and that's just that's wrong. I, I don't, we don't, I don't think we anybody wants the sport to go in that direction. And there's an e- easy solution, of course, with the 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 helmet microphone, which every I, I mean, I haven't heard anybody say no, we shouldn't do that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the NFL. Is, I saw Danny Cannell bring it up. He's like, this is the best reason for 
helmet microphones just yeah and there's no right doubt. Away. i mean I, I, most most of the guys most players especially quarterbacks are saying just just make the change and it probably will it'll gain some legs at least now i don't know how soon it'll be implemented well it's going to be implemented in bowl games this year as a as a trial run so that's we're about a month away from it happening uh but that's that trial run doesn't mean that uh it's going to happen permanently but after the Michigan stuff, you would think that, yeah, that's yeah. going to happen. What is the reasonable argument against it if you have, if you know of one, Pete? I, I, I don't know of one. It like cost at lower levels, probably. Uh, I think when yeah, they well, make yeah. when they make these tech changes, like replay, that was a that was an issue with replay early on, like our Mac schools and. But like this is just this is just another headset from your booth to your sideline, so that this seems like much much easier to deal with. I think quarterbacks will complain because they're the ones that are going to have to share the they're going to have to say the play to the rest of the team all the time right the rest of the offense uh yeah i mean they should know it like yeah it's like what why don't you just have to repeat it right like and i, I don't know what do you know what the rules are for like when that audio cuts off uh, that's a good question like I, it I, doesn't go I, all the way up to the snap i think there's no it there's doesn't like a i could time that it quickly. cuts yeah. off that um, goes all the way up to the snap. How many changes who, will be in the scan? That Alabama that? is changing everything. Well, how do you yeah. monitor when it, when it, the audio is cut off? The I NFL does it. The NFL does it, so they'll be able to do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that. I don't know how that all works. I when mean, it makes the, sense. Like you could, it just the signs. Like the more you think about it, it's like what a completely messed up system this is that we yes. have poster <laughs> boards of like Shrek. And I don't know, just like various Roman numeral. Like it, it's a bizarre to me that like how far this has gone. Like you've got the sheets behind the coaches um, <laughs> to stop people from the press box seeing what's going on. It's just bizarre to me that we've got, we got three to this guys point. signaling, you know, yeah, so that was the most, we should bring this up. Marcus, we asked uh, Sean Steyers, asked Marcus Freeman about this, about signals. And he said, you know, they change them a couple times a year. It's not easy mm-hmm. to do. I assume you change them from year to year. Otherwise, they have nine months to look at your signals. Yeah, it's like, your well, signals. I mean, I asked Marcus about this before Ohio State. Like, you know, Laronitis knew all the signals. Yeah. You have so to change you the change season all the time, I would assume. Otherwise, you're giving it. Yeah, and, and you months. know, for a player, I mean, a lot of times you, you just got drilled and you're not clear-headed to begin with. And so now, yeah. you're looking, now you're looking at the sideline and you're seeing six guys signaling instead of three. But I thought the interesting thing he said was, the more if you do it too much, you're confusing your own players. Like right. how good is someone that's stealing signs versus I don't want my sophomore wide receiver to block the wrong guy all the time. Yeah. So there's um, one of our, my colleagues that they like talked to a sign stealer at a program um, and he gave them 10 lessons to do it, how to avoid it. But I'll just read one quote. Cause it ties into like, you're dealing with college kids. This isn't like splitting the atom. And the quote was, I promise you within a day I could take the average fan and watch three TV copies with them and we'll know signals by the end of it. We're trying to signal a play that a college kid has to comprehend. This isn't rocket science. The signals are not ridiculously tough to figure out. So I don't it's it seems like something you'd have to change a lot to be on your on your stuff, but again, you can't outsmart yourself otherwise it's just you're kind of chasing ghosts. I got three fun careers for you guys for all kids out there. Sports writer, astronaut, and sign stealer at a program. Because that would be fun. I would love to be known as the sign stealer at a program that someone talked to. I think you can make a lot of money as an interpreter, too. 
Yeah, I'll, yeah, I bet you can. I'm, I wouldn't be good at that though. But I'm again, good at another one, a, a, yet another one of those things that I would be. You can't do to. that one. <laughs> Very it's like me and field goal kicking. I just, I just can't do it. Yeah. It's not. Hey, last thing I want to mention before we wrap up segment one, and this hasn't been announced yet, but Irish Illustrated has been, and we were the first ones, I believe, this summer to indicate that this was going to happen. The the uh, the Shamrock Series game uh, next year will be Army. Uh, we expect it to be at the end of the season. I know already because I had in Thursday thoughts and already people are reacting to the degree of difficulty of Notre Dame's schedule, uh, which includes Texas A&M to start, USC, Florida State, Louisville, and then what generally looks like a bunch of average right. uh, yeah. football teams. So, I mean, Notre Dame was kind of do one of those after – after this year's schedule. And I know people are already saying, well, it's not that difficult. It's still a cumulative effect when you're playing the teams that Notre Dame has played four night games in a row against four ranked teams and or undefeated ranked teams. Well, they played really good Ohio State, Clemson, and USC teams last year, too. Those games were yeah, those right. three teams were actually but, very good all the yeah. way through. Um, yeah, it's it's look, it's not a great schedule. It's in fact, it's by Notre Dame standards, it's a bad one. But this happens like Georgia has a terrible schedule this year. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Like if they had Miami, Florida, instead of army, probably feel a little bit differently about it. Um, but these are the breaks and maybe Notre Dame will be a playoff team in the 12 team playoff bracket in a way that I don't, I don't think we looked at last year's roster and thought like, Oh, that team's going to the playoff, but who knows maybe with the schedule, they can make a run at it. You know, and if you if you look at the schedules that are out there that are incomplete and kind of scrambled a little bit, mm-hmm. there is an opening prior to Notre Dame's trip to USC. Uh, and I think we expect that's where that Army game will slot in. And that's Yankee Stadium in New York. So Notre Dame will travel in. Uh, and, and I expect this to be announced formally by Notre Dame soon here. But travel in one direction out east. Uh, the third weekend of, uh, is that the third? I, I think there are five Saturdays in uh, in um, November next year. But anyway, late in the year, looks like Army. Some people aren't really happy with the uh, with the two schedule. trips to New York, one trip to LA, and a trip to Atlanta. Or worse things in the That's world. There are worse things in the world. Like you know what's worse? The trip to West Lafayette. That would be worse. Yep. This episode of Irish Illustrated is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog using the promo code and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already, check them out. Be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go to the app, pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, if Travis Kelsey's number is set at 50 yards and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to be way higher than that number. Do that with two to five different players and you're in business. If you go five for five, you can multiply your money times 20. So sign up today with promo code Irish and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code Irish to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. There are a lot of fantasy companies out there, but we decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. You must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 
522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. We'll be right back with segment two, Burning Up the Boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Our first one comes from either I Told Althea, which makes sense, or One Told Althea. It could have hidden meaning. I think it's one, Tim. All right. Well, he should let us know. There is 0% chance Michigan gets a bull ban this year, correct? No way the Big Ten would cannibalize itself like that. I, I, I'm I, not a 100% guy, so I don't want to say no way, but I can't possibly. This won't be. This won't be determinant during this this football season. I, I don't I don't believe so. I think any any kind of punishment will come after this football season. Pete, you may know more about it with, with a more of a national perspective. I, I mean, I not really, um, but it does like the amount of information that's coming out in real time is shocking. It's stunning. Uh, well, that, that is true. Reading is out true. like reading on like the Big Ten's rules for this, like the commissioner, Tony Petiti, like not that he has unilateral control on this one, but it's close. And I think Big Ten 80s had a conference call today which was the first one since this story got out. Um, I wonder if they'll just like kind of meet in the middle and make Michigan ineligible for the big 10 championship game, but eligible for the college football playoff. Like I, I got to think they're going to do something. Yeah. This is just so far beyond the pale. And, but it, I mean, it's just like, it's unprecedented. I, I can't think of an example like this. And since certainly since I've been covering college. And so much more is going to come. I mean, we, you know, we, we can't speculate about the next six weeks. So much more is going to come out. Nothing I is do, nothing that's coming out is good for Michigan. <laughs> it's not going to be like, oh, well, that explains everything coming out next. Yeah. There's two ways of looking at this for me. If I wake up one day and I see on Twitter that Notre Dame, or excuse me, Michigan got a bull van, I'll just be like, Holy cow, fall down, shocked. I cannot believe the Big Ten, the NCA, or anybody else reacted like this. But Pete's comments about the Big Ten being punitive, where the NCA cannot be, 
does make some sense because it really, really, really affects your conference. And the NCA probably can't move fast enough on this. The NCA can't move fast enough to stop Harbaugh from his next pro coaching job, much less this situation. Right. That's what I feel like the, the outcome that I feel most likely to happen is Jim Harbaugh will not be Michigan's head coach next year. But that does not do anything for this. Doesn't do anything for the season. No. And it doesn't do anything to Jim Harbaugh because he could just go coach for more money. Oh, and he, he's, I mean, he, he's, he's already lied and saying that knows nothing about it. So, like, whatever, I wonder what their press conferences are like. I mean, guys have to be, there have to be national media guys coming in town. Are, are they, are they entertaining those questions during press conferences or are those, those done behind closed doors or? I don't, I don't think he's spoken to them. They're on a buy this week, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, like that's I, true. It's amazing. So it's just like, it's just left to hang there in the room indefinitely i i don't know like i, I don't know how you handle this story well, i tell you Michigan. what say what you say about bk but they left that guy out to dry in 2014 when he had to answer all those questions about things oh, he couldn't God, answer. I, thought that was, I, I thought that was i know people have the frozen four opinions about brian kelly but that was so unfair to brian kelly that day it was it was ridiculous when an athletic administrator should have been speaking about it and brian well, he kelly kept having to do it he kept having to do it. He too. kept having to do it. Brian Kelly's getting ready for USC, and he has to address the. Is that when we started like nine minutes late, and everybody's like, Ugh. "Yep." <laughs> there was a, the the noon press conference just didn't start. Not good. Never happens. That never happens. Not good. A couple of questions here. One from Irish Shem. Question for O'Malley: Is it true that your play calling this past weekend was your audition for the Irish offensive coordinator position? How do you think you did? Is this going to change your relationship with Priester if you get the job? Well, yes, technically. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I expect you to elevate me to head coach. Then, <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you open to suggestions? And then a question uh, from somebody else that I forgot to put down that who that was. Timo, are you concerned the one flag touchdown debacle may have cost you a potential analyst job on Freeman's staff? I think Kyle Brandt's backing of me on that may have cost me an analyst job <laughs> on Marcus Freeman's staff. But uh, no, I was auditioning for the defensive coordinator position at Notre Dame because people keep ignoring the, that is my actual role on the four and five grade team. And we shut down, not shut down. That'd be a bit much. We held the greatest show on grass to 20 points in that final. And that was a, that was a big one, but uh, yeah, it was, um, I, I think I, I said this to Pete on his podcast. Like there's, there's some funny things about play calling in those, uh, little kids games <laughs> and the number one thing as I figured out is the same thing Jared Parker should figure out I realized one day on delayed handoffs if you just let everybody spread out hand the ball to your fast guy there's fewer people right there to pull his flag find a way to get to the edge if you're Notre Dame I found a way to get to the edge they're Jeremiah loves all over the place you just yeah, gotta run Jeremiah horizontally loves everywhere. you just gotta get him the ball man alright question from ND Dan 106 Tim O'Malley was put on a hot seat at the press conference about his play calling when was the last time the head coach of Notre Dame had this much fun interacting with the media? Never, but Mike Bray had a lot of fun with media. Include Now, Mike Bray had a thousand times more fun with media, not at press conferences. But Bray was a lot of fun. And Bray would come out. Bray was, Bray was like Marcus Freeman when he would come out and talk to the six or seven people pre-practices standing up. I mean, he always had something. 
to say there. He had hilarious things to say. What did he tell Pete? Pete, were you there when he said, go chase the plane? Or maybe no, you were. because I was plane. chasing the plane. Yeah, no, no. So he <laughs> said to us, he goes, go to go. We finished a basketball interview with him. He's like, go to go to the airport, start chasing planes. Hey, so what are you guys doing here? <laughs> no, but he is. Mike Bray would be the one. But well, I think, the, I, I, think I, I think Andy Dan 106 was asking about he, he said coach. I think he was uh, referring to the football coach. I, you know, I mean, Kelly wasn't. Kelly wasn't crappy to us. I mean, we we had we had plenty of comfortable exchanges with him we talked about the time that he slipped into our our video that we were that we were filming in the goog uh but freeman was freeman was so prepared it, it was just, it was it, it was the, the notes surprised me i did i actually forgot about the flag incident to be honest with you the one flag <laughs> well, Mel, i, don't, I, don't I know totally forgot that happened oh, you mean before he said it Yes, before he said it, I was not in my mind that the one flag was going to come up. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. I forgot it was Nico. I forgot That's the worst one." Yeah, I just I love the way he said it because it was so reminiscent of ten men on the field. That I was just yes. saying, he really opened himself. You could have zinked him big time, O'Malley. I if they had been eight, no, I would have said something. But yeah, I people say my wife and everybody else around me says I have no filter. I want everybody to know I proved I had a filter on Monday because I I was enjoying that exchange and nothing in my mind decided to come out. To to answer this question, O'Malley, I don't know if I ever told you the story and I don't Priester knows it, but there was a time where it was like two or three weeks in a row. I asked depth charts on the Monday, Tuesday press conference to the head coach. And after like the fourth week, I didn't. And the head coach was like, Pete, no questions about the depth chart this week. I have a, a depth chart just for you. And I walked, he called me up to the lectern and handed me a, that was printed out in Notre Dame official font and everything. And it said Pete Sampson's depth chart. And all the names were, it was, I think they were numerical on one side and alphabetical on the other, but like it, it said Pete Sampson's depth chart. And that head coach was Tyrone Willingham. Oh, that's pretty good. I was just going to say, Tyrone Willingham never had any fun at a press conference. Not so. I guess so. There's, there's an exception to the rule. BK uh, had fun <clears throat> pre and post press conferences to let people know. Like that would be fair, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, and Weiss could, you know, Weiss could try to insert his sense of humor into the the equation too. He said I, something to Pete once. Remember, Pete, after the BC game in 09, you <laughs> asked about the nine route? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rich Gannell kept running nine routes for Notre Dame for like 185 yards or something like that. Yeah. And, and he, he was like, oh, Pete Sampson, the nine route. Look oh, at Pete this. Sampson, <laughs> breaking down the nine routes or something. Yeah. That, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that that stuff is like that. See, like that's press conference funny. What Freeman did on Monday right. was just funny, funny. And that's yes, pretty so that rare. Funny everywhere. That was. I, I love that. I, I love the hand gestures when he said two red zone appearances, <laughs> zero points. Yeah. That was good. All right. Let's talk a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit Notre Dame Pittsburgh here. Question from Irish Disney 33 with Pat Narduzzi likely forcing Notre Dame to throw the ball down the field. Some in this game, how successful do you think Notre Dame will be in that area this week against Pitt? I think it's the question of the day because Jaden Thomas is the guy I want to watch here. Jaden Thomas is supposed to be able to get off press. I thought he struggled, not getting off press, but struggled against quality corners in the NC State game before getting hurt. And then you can't judge him since he's been hurt, of course. He's a guy that has to make a few plays. We are past the point of saying he's a guy that's going to break out, like guys breaking out. Breaking out right now for Notre Dame is four catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. 
at wide receiver. Would you agree for any of them? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you barely need a touchdown. Yeah, I think I think they're a back shoulder throw. If he's healthy, you know, this was the guy that they were trying to to throw the ball downfield to, and a lot of it was back shoulder stuff. It, I would expect to see some of that. We, <laughs> I made that a passed him that I, pass by Hartman and NC State. I know it was not an easy easy catch, but that's what Notre Dame has to have a receiver catch the the back shoulder all the way down the field that's dropped perfectly no, no to doubt. you. No doubt. I mean, I remember when I first started watching. Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. I'm like, back shoulder, back shoulder. This is going to be, well, you got you have to have receivers that can make those plays. Tobias Merriweather has shown us in practice and in games, he, can, he can't make those plays. Jaden Thomas was somebody that they force fed a little bit, like we saw during preseason, but then he was injured so quickly that came and went. So uh, it is the question of the day. And I think it starts with running the football a little bit, and I, I agree with the notion that Narduzzi slash Randy Bates are going to make them, okay, go ahead and beat us with the, the, the passing game. Prove it. I will say, like, I'm interested to see what happens with Tobias this weekend. Uh, Freeman was asked about it on Monday and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep forcing the issue, and you guys talked about it on the Monday podcast. I And I kind of go back to the Duke game. I know that he didn't catch it, but they forced the issue early to him, and he almost caught it. He was I think uh, he, not interfered he, with, but they did face mask him on the way down. You gotta. I I, I think he's really somebody you gotta take a couple shots to. Like I, this will sound weird because Rico Flores has been more productive, but I I would almost rather them throw a deep shot to Tobias Merriweather than I would to Rico Flores. I think that's fair because he can separate if he gets past press. Yeah, I He's just, just don't, I, I just no back shoulder Merriweather just needs to be a. Yeah, don't do that. No more, no more back shoulders. Yeah, right. Yeah, if contested catches get... are not his thing right now. I don't think that's yeah. not. Jaden yeah. Thomas is a good guy for that. Maybe Flores to to some extent because he's strong. I still say Great House. Great House can do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, oh yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I've kind of like forgotten about Great House yeah, just because he's but gone away. Merriweather is a street throw. You know, I mean run and we'll throw it to you and and catch it <laughs> next question is from t branson also a good one because i do not have an answer for you t branson do you see the offense still riding Audrey Gastame, or do you think his time is nearing an end and they might spread the carries around a little more i will insert he's not airing an end but could they spread the carries around a little bit more uh, you know i don't know i mean i you, you do have you have to take opponent into consideration a little bit too uh, you know, the estimates caught every pass that he's been targeted on. Been a while though, right? Yeah, it's been a, a few games. It's been a couple games at least. Yeah. But I don't know. This is hard. I, I mean, it's a good question. I, I, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure it out on a weekly basis. You, you kind of sense a Jadari and price is due for more because we've been talking about it with their coaches. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah love was, I just, wrote a story about it. So it has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> And just a Is couple that, of weeks ago, you know, it was they, you got to get the ball to Jeremiah Love more, uh, but you still want to feed Audrey Castame. I, I, you know, I still think the top three are there. It makes sense to give the ball to Jabron Payne in short yardage situations. I don't think Devin Ford really fits into the equation right now. Uh, but it, you know, it's 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 Love and and uh, uh, Price that that mainly are the guys that you're looking to feed it to more. I, you know, if there was like a you could do like a four to one ratio of estimate love um price carries or no i'm sorry pain yep. carry yeah um 
Jadarian Price. Yeah, I think that that would be, you know, a, make more sense, but to do than what they had last, or I guess USC were estimated twenty two carries. Yeah, and everyone else said I think the other backs had four or three. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like with Price, he's had what one carry in the last three games. Right. I, I think if you're seventeen five five, and then if one of those guys at five deserves more, it's seventeen five eight nine ten. That's when you can. You can't just force feed a guy if he's not running well. Like Jeremiah Love just didn't find holes against USC when I thought he would. Audrick yeah. Estime ran better than Love did. Well, I mean, the, the problem is, like, also, if you have 27 carries against USC and 21 against Louisville and 29 against Duke, that's just not a lot of carries yeah. to spread around. Um, if you have 38 like you did in Ohio State, then you've got 14 for Estime, 6 for Payne, 3 for Price, 8 for Love, 2 for Ford, like, you got to get close. If you're going to spread carries around, you got to have 40 carries to spread. You can't spread 28 carries around. It just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. I understand why you would be slanted more towards estimate that way. It's it's funny. This is like a lot of people are pulling away from Audric Estimate. He's averaging 98 yards rushing the game. He's going to go over a thousand yards easily. Um, and it seems like there's a segment of Notre Dame fan that's kind of pushing him out. And we had a big conversation the about the stable, the stable, the the five, the five horsemen, headed the, you know what I mean? That's the that's probably part of it. Yeah. That that's gonna that's gonna be the exception to the rule, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward. Uh if Dylan McCullough moves on from from this year, not everybody, not every running back coach can strike the balance that he's been able to do for the most part. Price and love are exciting, and people want to see him. And Jadarian yeah. Price has had a 99 yarder. You no, want to I see him I agree, but th- those are the three. And if you want to go short yardage with Payne, you know you understand that too because he's uh, he gets lower than the lowest on the defensive side of the ball. Question from Andrew Gilmore. I think it's Gilm four one one zero four. Is this L Golden's last year with Notre Dame? Why aren't we hearing about a contract extension? Golden has done his part. You would think Marcus Freeman would need him for a potential transitional year in twenty twenty four, particularly in the season that starts at Texas A and M. Are are we like our contract negotiations being conducted in in the public eye? I didn't I didn't realize that we would. That was I was going to say. Not for coordinators, you don't hear about <laughs> yeah. too many contracts. You didn't hear that on the uh, the sideline of flag football last weekend. <laughs> yeah, I did like co- like contracts for cor- or coordinators and assistant coaches. Just like if another job comes along, they go and take that job. So it's it's not. I don't think it's a situation where Marcus Freeman doesn't want L Golden on staff. It's just if he can get an NFL defensive coordinator job or a college head coaching job, like it doesn't matter if he's under contract at Notre Dame, he's going to move on to that next job. Yeah. He and does. we we think Al Golden will be, I think all of us think Al Golden will be in the NFL again. And then we even heard earlier this year that I don't get this, but that he has designs on a East Coast head coaching job. I just think that his mind for defense is NFL mind for defense and not recruiting people to a school and trying to build a program that probably won four five or six games. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Al Golden's legal representation is pushing for a contract extension right at this moment. I, I mean, it's a, if, and when the time comes, he'll, he'll get it. Uh, I just don't, I don't understand the perspective of this because these kind of things aren't discussed in the public eye, uh, Golden has done his part. We agree with that part of this. Well, yeah, now that we agree, sure. with, there's no doubt about it. And Marcus Freeman, I'm sure, would 
would love for him to come back next year. I, I, I this is a golden decision, not a not a Notre Dame decision at this point. No, and like, like Golden and Freeman share an agent. Like this is an easy conversation to have. Like if when the time comes to have it, they'll have it. Dan Quinlan asks, please expand on the only five NFL evaluations per team. That's something we have been talking about on this podcast since at least 2018. Why is there a rule? Don't most players overestimate their NFL draft potential? Wouldn't a college coach rather have 15 guys get a draft grade that encourages most of them to come back, especially with NIL? You could selectively match the money for a key player who gets a third day grade. Now, we've been talking about this, and Pete Sampson, you asked a question uh, pertaining to this. Because we've been saying five, but we haven't we haven't had it validated as far as you know up to the minute. But you did get information on that. Yeah, I checked with Dane Brugler, who works for us at the Athletics, a draft scout, and he checked with an NFL person and said, "Yep, the number is still five. He also said that most teams don't use all five. Um, so it's like if you're not getting an evaluation, that is a return to school grade. Um, like even the evaluations that players got in the previous years. Like I remember. Like Jason Adamiola got one, return to school grade. Um, I feel like most of the evaluations come back return to school. Like the NFL is not erring on the side of like, yeah, we'd like you to come out and then not get drafted. So, um, yeah, it's just like if if you don't get evaluated, that means you got a return to school grade. I agree, though, with Dan Quinlan. Most players overestimate their draft stock, and a college coach would love yep. to have them here you're supposed to come back from the NFL rather than from him trying to explain it to him. But if it's five, it's five and you can't do that. Well, and the reason it's five is because you would have 12 guys from most power five teams asking for an evaluation. And so you would have NFL evaluators going over what a a, a thousand eight hundred FBS players, a lot, a, a lot. <laughs> 500, 600 players. I, I it's, that's a little unrealistic to expect them to do that work. You know, they're doing that work for themselves, but they're also doing that work for the colleges as, as well. So, I mean, it makes sense to have a cap on it because ultimately if every kid had asked for an evaluation, if you followed through with that, it'd be a lot of wasted time. That'd be for damn sure because they most of them wouldn't be NFL prospects. Fun question for you. Remove all graduate students from this. Name the five guys that deserve their evaluation, starting obviously with Audrey Estime. So yeah, when you're saying Howard Cross does not count, Leofow doesn't count, Bertrand doesn't count. You got to be a senior or a junior. They're just there's. It's not a huge number. Well, Joe Alt, of course. Does he? Yeah. Does he need one though, or can he just decide if he? Oh no! But see, now you're putting different criteria in there. So. Right. That's what I mean. So that's why if you have to choose five, yeah. could you say, well, like Joe, you're probably going. Kyle right. Hamilton didn't need a draft evaluation. Michael Mayer didn't need a draft evaluation. You know, Xavier Watts. Xavier Watts, absolutely. absolutely. Riley Mills. Riley Mills probably would be one. Estimates, um, certainly. With Tyree. Um, He's going to get returned to school, though, would be the grade. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, because I think that. Um, Mitchell Evans. Mitchell Evans definitely he'll He's get a, returned to school. Like the threshold here is so like um, Isaiah Foskey got a second round grade, so it's first round, second round return to school, and I don't like to be at the level of Isaiah Foskey as terms of a pro prospect is pretty high to me. Yeah, long way from Watts, Evans, Mills, yeah. Yeah, those types of point. players. So so Estime like, is the one that's on that. 
he obviously needs a draft evaluation. Estime obviously needs a draft evaluation at the end of the season. There is no unless he's hell unless he's hell bent on going pro for all the natural reasons I've talked about for a calendar right. year. Yeah, he but, may not need one at all. Like yeah. I didn't Kyrie, like Kyron Williams got returned to school, I believe. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Kyrie certainly would would want an evaluation, understandably. Uh I, I don't know, but there's got to be a limit. <laughs> you can't. There no, has there to is. Be a so limit. it's good. <laughs> yeah, and there there is. So uh, yeah, to answer Dan Quillen's question, there there just has to be a limit. Otherwise, you're just spinning your wheels with a bunch of players that aren't going to make it in the NFL. Right. Right. Well, free okay. agents make it just not the same way. Right. Yeah. Question from Packy P. Your thoughts on promoting Gino Guduli as offensive coordinator next year? I mean, you can look at. I can look at. I can give you stats from his one year as coordinator at Cincinnati, but you know, I think too often we just re, we we immediately turn to where they're ranking in yep. total offense, scoring offense, and then come to a conclusion. And I think it's, I think it requires a much deeper dive than that. I, I think there's a huge deep dive coming for Freeman and Parker because, I mean, think of how crazy this notion would have been after the Ohio State game. And think of how natural it is right now and how everyone's prisoner of the moment. Now, you can't make your wares at Notre Dame on beating NC State, Navy, Tennessee State, and CMU. But you do need a full season of evaluation, I think, too. When you're Marcus Freeman is going to look at what he I, I saw a really interesting point on our board once. He's like, This is someone said this is Marcus Freeman's offense, not Jared Parker's offense. Jared Parker's running exactly what his coach wants him to do, and and I I think that's well, it's true. T- it's Tommy Reese's offense. Yeah, yeah, but I think that the approach of, I mean, you cannot ask anybody about what your identity is at Notre Dame, not having it be we are a physical pound you offensive line run driven program. And I that's the question I'd always want to ask Marcus Freeman: Are you that because that's what you have to be with personnel? Because that's what you have to be with your ability to recruit top college talent to Notre Dame or is that just exactly what you want to be if you were given every opportunity to have everything I I think it's a lot of the last one that you said um I in terms of whose offense it is um I talked to a coach a few weeks ago just it was post Louisville and like Notre Dame's offense looked bad and he said you know it's like one of the things and he didn't have an answer for this um was just like if you're a defensive head coach you don't go out and say like you don't put the play calls together but you put parameters together of what you want your offense to look like you could say for example um i want to take six deep shots per game you as the oc get to figure out what those six deep shots are but the head coach decides this is the identity i want from our offense you make it work um and i have no idea what marcus freeman sort of identity you go make it work is other than I'm going to go for it on fourth and one in plus territory. And that's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's like, we got to take deep shots or not. He referenced it on Monday, but um, that, that may be an area where he could still be growing as a head coach about what he wants offense to look like. I, w- I would think that his instructions there have to be pretty general. You've got to, you have to yeah, allow yeah. your offensive coordinator to do what he does. Just for the record, Gino Gadouli as offensive coordinator in 2022, Cincinnati was 59th in scoring, 79th 
in total offense, 60th in yards per play, 55th in yards per pass, but they lost Desmond Ritter. So I mean, I don't, I, you can't look at those numbers and say he's qualified or, well, you could, I guess if they were really good, you could say he's qualified, but you can't look at those numbers and say, oh, he's unqualified because they finished, you know, 79th in total offense last year after losing an NFL level quarterback. I would say uh, when Luke Fickle left for Wisconsin, Gino Gadule was not his offense coordinator. Right. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. I think it's something you, you got to figure yeah. in. There. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think that's the direction to go because then you're just, you're going from one unproven offensive coordinator to another unproven offensive coordinator. And this kind of goes to my point with, uh, with a guy like Mickens, like, well, do you want to promote Mickens? Like, I just want Mike Mickens to be on staff coaching corners, whether no matter what else happens there, I'd like to see Gadouli be on staff coaching the quarterbacks again next year. So you I want to be selfish. You want to be selfish as the coach and have both as much as you can ever have both. You want both. You want, you want Parker to do well and you want to keep your quarterbacks coach and you want Mickens to stay and golden to stay. And you, I mean, you're never going to have a whole staff stay, but I don't think Freeman's looking to replace members of his staff in the off season. I don't think, he's necessarily looking to but as we talked about was it in the most recent podcast or, or maybe last week i mean i there's going to be change there's going to probably be there always i mean there's always change there's yeah always always. i mean there's probably going to be fairly significant changes here we said was, over four and a half right didn't we have that pete were you on that one no we, yeah we that was under i think we all went under on that one we all went under yeah oh okay what yeah. did i say over yeah yeah that's a half a staff Okay, let me yeah. grab that word back and say. Yeah. <laughs> but Next, final question close, here. It could be close. Final question here is a doubler. C. Frazier, who will be Pat Narduzzi's villain during his post-game presser? And then from Matt 0315, should we be expecting another Phil Dracovic pregame Instagram post on Saturday? I think Phil's going to be quiet. Does he have a new number yet? Does he have is he wearing a tight end number? No, but uh, apparently Pat Narduzzi did confirm that he's spent some time with the tight ends and is doing some work on punt kickoff teams, but he has not officially changed positions. But he did drop from second team on their depth chart last week to third behind Nate Yarn- Yarnell. So we're is, not um, going to see, we're not going to see uh, uh, Phil Dracovic play quarterback Saturday. He's behind Nate Yarnell, but ahead of Ian book on the depth chart. I'm told from sources inside the Notre Dame program. Um, one other thing, name the best player from the 2018 Notre Dame recruiting class at the end of this game. DJ Brown, Saborius Flemister, or Shane Simon, or kickoff coverage, Maven, Phil Dracovic. Probably Simon. Simon will probably be the most productive. He's fourth on the team in tackles. I can uh, tell you what, it better not be Sibo. Otherwise, there's a problem going to the end of this game. Yeah, that's yeah. a problem, man. That's a yeah. problem. Um, Put Simon number one there. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up here with your predictions for Notre Dame hosting Pittsburgh 330 on Saturday, Notre Dame Stadium. Rock fight. It's I just I don't trust Notre Dame's offense to sort of get it all sorted out. I don't think Pittsburgh is very good, um, but I don't think Notre Dame has the offense to run away from them either. Um, So I think I'm going to go 17-13. Bit of a trip to the dentist office for everybody on Saturday. The game will be completed, and then we will never speak of it again. (laughs) That's true, because I mentioned to Pete, the only reason we ever talk about the 2018 pit game of 1914 
is because Notre Dame played for the playoffs that year. Otherwise, it would just be completely gone. Just like Louisville and Ian Book, the the, the awful game in 2020. Those games. 12-7? Yeah, 12-7. Oh, remember Kevin Austin fell down twice on one slant. I remember watching Ian Book look at him like, are you kidding me right now? I just need to throw this ball to you. Um, what, was the, what was the score when uh, uh, at Pittsburgh, that was at 16-12? to 12? Yes, the Tyler Eifert game. They, yes, <laughs> it was 15 to 12. It was 15. You know, like 12. Aaron Lynch and Stefan to it, like have huge games that night or something or that that's, day. That's the pregame, though, where Aaron Lynch said Maine got seven sacks against them. So we better get at least 10. And we never talked to him again. Yeah. <laughs> I am not quite as low scoring as Pete Samson, but as you know, I'm under and I have pit covering. Uh, I actually picked this as a loss for Notre Dame 24 21 in the preseason. Um, back in August, and I did say that it would be at the hands of Pitt's backup quarterback, not Phil Dracovic, so I'm a little worried about that one coming through. But I am going to go with Notre Dame's defense being too good, outlasting Pitt, and I would pull this down a touch rather than push it up, but I'm going to stick with 27-13, and if you told me it was 24-13, I would not be surprised. Wow. I uh, I used 27-13 on a... Uh... Another podcast yesterday, yeah. so I may have to look through adjusting that. But I'm uh, thinking healthy guy. You're allowed to. We're allowed to say the same things. We don't know oh, we're guessing course. scores. No, yeah, of course. I, I just feel like you would hope the ND offense can look a little bit like the NC State offense, maybe when they're healthy with Greathouse and Thomas, and uh, in terms of like there's there's threes and outs, there's three and outs, but then they find a way to get a touchdown out of it. I mean, that was 45 points. I'm asking for 27, where you're being kind of stretched by a defense that. Does a great job against your offense. Remember, six three and outs is a lot. That's I think tied for the most in like since 2016 for Notre Dame offense. So I would like to think Notre Dame could find 27 points with good field position by their defense and Sam Hartman. Yeah, in a running game. I, look, I'm not. It's not like Pittsburgh has shut everybody down here. They gave up 41 to North Carolina. I know that's Drake May, but Notre Dame has. A, Competent quarterback as well. I, I can see Notre Dame scoring in the mid thirties. I'm not going to predict that they are, but I, 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 the the line's twenty and a half. Okay, so this could end up being a one sided game, but I just don't feel like we're in a position to pr- predict something like that. No, have we we talked about this on Monday, right? When you said it's twenty and a half, and or we used to be seventeen and a half, and I was like, well, twenty four six is covering. Like, yeah, no, that's true. the way I, I could see Notre Dame covering. Really, I, I, I think the over under, which is now down to 44 and a half, indicates just how difficult it's going to be for Pittsburgh to score. Yeah. Now, you know, Notre Dame's not offense isn't in a great place, so it, in, it indicates that as well. But I think that low total is more of a reflection of how difficult it's going to be for, for Pittsburgh to score. So they need uh, a lot of help to score in this game, but. Weird things happen with Pat Narduzzi and Notre Dame Stadium in Pittsburgh and all that. So that was part of my original August plan. And remember, remember Maurice French opening the second half. Two Fs, and that's exactly yep. how people felt about him afterwards. Talented younger brother. <laughs> yes, very true. Very true. All right, we're going to wrap up there. We appreciate you joining us here for Irish Illustrated Insider. Join us on irishillustrated.com for our pre and post game coverage of Notre Dame at Pittsburgh in Notre Dame Stadium this weekend. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.